0: What if that great God were to say to you, uh, ask of me whatever you wish and I will do it for you? Imagine that scenario. If he were to put that question to you, uh, what would you ask for? How would you answer? It's not so fanciful. I mean, that's the very question the Lord put to King Solomon. And we know about this because it's recorded for us in, of all places, uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 1. Uh, There the Lord asked of Solomon, what is it you want for me to give you? And this is how uh, Solomon answered uh, in 2 Chronicles chapter 1. In that night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, ask what I shall give you. Solomon said to God, you have dealt with my father David with great loving kindness and you've made me king in his place. Now, O Lord God... Your promise to my father David is fulfilled, for you have made me king over a people as numerous as the dust of the earth. Give me now, this is what he asked for, wisdom and knowledge, that I may go out and come in before this people, for who can rule this great people of yours? That's what Solomon asked for. He asked for wisdom. And here is how God responded. Because you had this in mind and did not ask for riches or wealth or honor or the life of those who hate you, nor have you even asked for long life, but you have asked for yourself wisdom and knowledge that you may rule my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge have been granted to you. It's fascinating. Uh, Solomon could have said, give me power. Power is a very enticing thing. He could have asked for that. He could have asked for uh, possessions, you know, materialism. It gets us. He could have asked for uh, popularity. We all like to be liked. He could have asked for anyone or all of those things, but he did not. Instead, he asked for wisdom. Why? I think the answer is this. He was alive, and he was in the atmosphere of living. He could not righteously change that reality. He was trapped in his existence. And I think he thought, since I'm a living being, I might as well make the best of it I can. Therefore, I'm going to ask God for wisdom, which in the biblical sense means skill in living. Solomon, a wise man, said, as long as I'm in this contest, This race of living life, I might as well do it better than I now am. I might as well live life with skill and successfulness. And that's why it seems to me he asked God not for knowledge, the accumulation of information, but for wisdom, uh, two totally different things. Folks, I think in today's day and age, we have a greater accumulation of knowledge than ever in human history. I have a CD, I almost brought it tonight, but I forgot, on it. It's just one little disc. I have over 15,000 volumes, commentaries, uh, theological treatises, one little thing. I put it in my computer, it's a program, a software program. I can have access, I have a library of 15,000 Theological books stocked full of knowledge on one little disc. So it's not like in our day we're lacking for knowledge. But boy, are we not living life with wisdom. Do you agree? We seem not to be, increasingly, we seem not to be very skillful in living life as God would have us live it. So there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. This was really brought home to me graphically. A couple weeks ago, I was watching a documentary about a dynamic and brilliant astrophysicist. He's the uh, head of the Hayden Planetarium in New York. We used to go there when I was a kid on field trips. He heads it up. He's brilliant. And he has access to uh, far-off stars in the cosmos, Uh, but, but, but he cannot or will not recognize the God who put them there. This is a good example of a man who does not lack for knowledge, but he's surely short on this precious, more precious commodity called wisdom. Well, the book of Proverbs, that's what we're beginning tonight. The book of Proverbs is about the accumulation, not of facts. It's about the accumulation of wisdom in it. We find wisdom calling. And then we'll have to wrestle honestly with this question, is anyone listening? I hope I am. I hope you are. In fact, I want for us to pause right here just for a moment. Would you allow me to pray that this would be true of us? Oh, God, we are ones who desire to learn how to live life with greater skillfulness. Would you bow with me? Let me ask the Father for that very thing. Oh, God in heaven, we bow before you, for you are high and lifted up. We, like Solomon, lack this precious commodity. We're alive. We could do better in living life. So we make our appeal to you, giver of life. Would you, oh God, open our hearts for what you have to say as we make our journey through Proverbs? Would you increase our understanding and would you bless us with this precious commodity, wisdom, so like Solomon, we could live life with greater skill and success? And this we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, are you ready to dive in? Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1, take a look. The Proverbs of Solomon Okay, so now we know who wrote them. No mystery about it. The Proverbs of Solomon. Who's he? Well, a lot of things. For one, he was the son of David, king of Israel. Solomon, we're told in other places in the Bible, wrote thousands of Proverbs. Over 3,000. Many of which found their way into this 31 chapter book. The book of Proverbs. What is a proverb? A proverb is a compressed word of wisdom. It's concise. It's Economical. It doesn't waste words. There's no fat. There's no extraneous space in a proverb. They're deliberately kept short and crafted so that it could facilitate memorization of them. Uh, the writer of Proverbs wants them to stick in our mind, for instance. Uh, Think about this. See if you can get the visual. Here's one of the Proverbs. Like a gold ring. So you have this visual of a gold ring. Like a gold ring in a pig's nose, in a pig's snout. So get the idea of the gold ring in a pig's nose. This is a stretch for me, a Jewish guy. You know, the pig thing? But I'm just reading the Bible here. So, so like a gold ring in a pig's snout. Look at this. So, I mean, that doesn't go. I mean, we have a precious gold ring in a pig's nose, I mean, that's just, it's inconsistent. It's a mismatch. Uh, so, too, is a beautiful woman, imagine a beautiful woman, guys, not so much, just a little. So is a beautiful woman who rejects discretion. So here is a woman who's beautiful on the outside, but not so, doing so hot on the inside. And there's a mismatch there, the likes of which there's a mismatch with a gold ring and a pig's snout. Listen, I'll bet you you could remember that. Look, look, look. Let's see if we can do it without looking. Like a? In a? Is a? Who lacks? Look at that. You see, so you could see what we have. That's a proverb. It's a compressed word so we can take it away and live by it. Now, why should we pay attention to the 31 chapters labeled the book of Proverbs. Well, they, the book tells us itself what the benefits are. Here it is, verse 2, to know wisdom. That's the first thing. Look, a physician studies hard to develop skill in dealing with matters which will confront him. So too does a, a teacher, a, a, a mechanic, a, a policeman, a, uh, an electrician. Each seeks to develop a level of greater skillfulness in dealing with the matters at hand for each of them. But for all of us, this is the great common denominator, for all of us, the critical matter at hand is more skill in living life. And one of the benefits of Proverbs, we're told right at the outset, is to know wisdom, meaning to have more skill in facing the matters of life. If we're honest, and I don't mean to hurt anyone, if we're honest, a good deal of your time and energy uh, is spent on confronting um, the bad decisions you have made and dealing with the consequences thereof. They may be relational bad decisions, financial bad decisions, vocational bad decisions, even theological bad decisions. A good deal of our time is spent. On trying to uh, uh, remodel uh, the the disastrous construction we have made of our lives. Well, the book of Proverbs is designed to prevent that, to keep us from having to confront the consequences of unskillful living. Now, I should mention to you that the book of Proverbs is part of uh, what is called Israel's wisdom literature. What does that mean? Other examples of Israel's wisdom literature are the book of Job or or Ecclesiastes or Song of Solomon. And the purpose of those books uh, is to impart guidance on how to live life successfully. But now get this, this is a key to unlocking the book of Proverbs. When we talk about wisdom from a biblical point of view, we're not talking about intellectual well-being. We're talking about moral well-being. So you can substitute for the word wisdom the word morality. This book and all of the books of the Bible are designed to help us to live according to God's standards of morality, not the world's. And as you look to the world's standards of morality, good night, we are in a mess a big mess. One of the benefits of Proverbs is to help us to distinguish the world's way from God's way and to do things according to God's unchangeable standards of morality. A uh, newscaster the other day was berating one of the uh, numerous Republican candidates for the presidency. Uh, she was criticizing him for his position on, uh, on uh, life and the sanctity of human life. And the news reporter said, well, he's entitled to his opinion, but, you know, I'm just not as old-fashioned as he is. she she missed the point, you see what I mean? God's standards are not old-fashioned, they're just unchangeable. She's the one who's wishy-washy. She's being carried away by the wind, the changing current of the day. But if God is the God of all truth... Truth doesn't change even when society does. Truth is not defined by situations and circumstances and by culture. Truth is defined by the originator of truth. God is the author of truth. So so her accusation, he's old-fashioned, missed the mark. Absolutely not. He was laying claim to God's unchangeable standards of morality when it comes to the issue of the sanctity of human life, uh, a standard from which she has long drifted he's wise she is unwise see there's a moral component to it and then the the text says not only can a study of proverbs impart to us wisdom but it also is instruction that word can be translated discipline I don't like this too much uh, because that word discipline uh, is a reminder to us that wisdom is not going to come cheaply now, this is rough for us because we're, we're used to everything being pre-digested. Biblical things, theological things, recreational things. You, you, if we have to stay on task with something for more than a few minutes, we, we tire of it. We want instant coffee, instant mashed potatoes, instant everything. We have a need for instant gratification, but we're told right away, if that's your deal, you might as well get out of the book of Proverbs because this is going to require discipline on our part. You see what I mean? So we're going to have to do some work if we want to be wise. And then the text says, not only is the benefit of studying this to know wisdom and instruction, but also to discern the sayings of understanding. See the word discern? It means to distinguish between two things. So imagine... You're hungry. You have food items in both of your hands. In this hand is a chocolate candy bar. In this hand is a carrot. (laughs) You're hungry. You're going back and forth. You're making decisions about which one you're going to uh, devour. That's what's in view here. The capacity to distinguish between two things. In this case, it's not Uh, The capacity to distinguish between a candy bar and a carrot, no more important things. The capacity to distinguish between truth and error. A study of Proverbs will give us the capacity to distinguish between truth and error. And between what's right and what's wrong. I'm telling you, we live in a day your head could spin. You could hear people promoting what is absolutely morally wrong but su- in such a persuasive way you start saying to yourself maybe they're right I mean it's two consenting adults if they love one another who am I and you start thinking by the way in major pulpits in this land many people pastors who ought to know better are compromising on, uh, on, on things like um, uh, uh, gay marriage many are saying well you know I I I have gay neighbors I have gay friends I have and they're lovely people and they're they're not promiscuous you see started and all that is true all of that is true but the point is what does God have to say about what marriage is and has his standard changed just because the Supreme Court messed with it? You see what I mean? So, so, so this book is going to help us. We who are, are prone to wander from God's mooring points, this book is going to help us to discern between what's right and what's wrong, between God's way and the world's way. So the text says, we read this to know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding. Verse 3, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, equity. Can you see the moral uh, undergirding of the concept of wisdom? And then verse 4, to give prudence to the naive, to the youth, knowledge and discretion. So this is saying that the Proverbs are designed to give benefit to the youth, to young people. So based on that, I guess most of us in here are off the hook. (laughs) This isn't for us, apparently. No, 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 that's not true. We're not left out at all. The concept of youth and naive refers to those who lack experience and who are um, impressionable and susceptible. But that's all of us to one extent or or another. We're all in this together regardless of age. Nobody is left out. We're all in the process of accumulating uh, more wisdom and that's why it says what it does in verse 5. A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding, see, regardless of age, will acquire wise counsel. Folks, we're in this for life. We're all in the process of growing and acquiring wisdom for life. Now, can you see the phrase wise counsel at the end of verse 5? It's Very interesting. It was used with reference to ropes that would guide a ship to its mooring point, to a safe harbor. Uh, One of the benefits of Proverbs is to help us latch on to the right ropes so that they guide us in the right direction. Many of us have allowed our ships, if you will, to run aground relationally, financially, sexually, recreationally, theologically. We need better robes to guide us safely into a safe harbor. And uh, Solomon says, Proverbs, the study of God's word in general Uh, Those are the ropes we want to latch onto. They will guide us into safe harbor. And then verse 6 says, to understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. So what does that mean? I don't know. Uh, But I think it sort of means at least this. It means the book of Proverbs will help us to think. (laughs) See, all those things, Proverbs, figures, words of the wise, riddles, They obligate you to to put your brain in gear. (laughs) To to not be passive, but to to exercise your your mind. One of the benefits of Proverbs, in other words, is is to help us to improve our thinking. That's what they're going to do. They're going to help us to think straight uh, so that we don't think in a crooked way. They're going to help us to understand things not everyone understands. That's one of the benefits of Proverbs. I'd like to show you, some photos uh, of folks who, who really are deficient in their thinking and could use some help in thinking better. So, for instance, take a look at this fellow first. See, this is not good. I'm not like a big, rugged outdoorsman, but I don't think that's the way you're supposed to remove a limb from a tree. This guy has some thinking problems. How about this next guy? Check out this next guy. Look, can you see him? <laughs> Look, he's a good guy. He went to the park. He's playing with his kids. But the problem is, he's playing like a kid. He got himself stuck in that thing, and his wife is debating whether to help him get out or just leave him there. I can see the look on her face. He has a thinking. Here's another guy. Look at look at this next guy. I don't know what to say about this guy except, did he just like? Did he get like a new life insurance policy? What? How do you account for this crazy? Uh, foolish behavior how about, talk about a death wish. How about this next guy? Take a look at this next guy. This is not good. you know what I mean? Get a dog <laughs> you You do not want a pet alligator for crying out loud. Look at this and then this next one i don 't know how this came to this guy 's Can you look carefully at the I mean what in the how what possessed I, what in the You know what's interesting? All of these photos depict the male species (laughs) doing unwise things. Are we to conclude uh, that women are wiser than men? What do you think? Let's vote. How many think women are wiser? Yeah, forget it. Women, put your hands down. (laughs) Uh, Actually, you're wrong. I saved this one for the last just to show you that even women can sometimes do some foolish thing. So you know what I mean? <laughs> Beautiful car, I'm sure she's got wonderful hair, and all the rest. But that's not the right way to advertise it on the back. So in truth, uh, the wisdom that these people lack is not really what Proverbs is talking about. I only showed you those photos because they were funny. <laughs> the real, you see, because these people have an intellectual, a reasoning problem, Like a common sense problem. Once again, that's not the wisdom the Bible is is speaking about. The wisdom the Bible is speaking about is uh, is uh, living skillfully by embracing God's moral standards for life. That's so. So the Proverbs are not about an intellectual uh, problem. Proverbs are are, are about a, a a moral problem, and 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 so wise people, according to Proverbs are people who have embraced godly ways of living. Unwise people, according to the book of Proverbs, are immoral uh, people. So now where do you begin to become? uh, How do you start the process of becoming a wiser person? Well, Solomon tells us in the next verse, uh, which I think is perhaps... uh, The key verse in all of the book of Proverbs, verse 7. Here's what Solomon says. Here's how you get going. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Now, you have to trust me here. I distinguished between knowledge and wisdom earlier, but in this sense, they're synonyms. So we actually could read this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So Solomon says this is the starting point. Uh, uh, You know what he's implying? We're, We're not born this way. We're not born wise. In fact, by nature, we're born sinful. Isn't that true? Nobody here had to take, you know, sin 101. We're like PhDs in, on the subject. Even from an early, you were narcissistic, we're demanding. You know what I mean? Kids are cute, they're beautiful, I got the whole deal. But they're just a mass of egotistical, demanding, you know, there you go, thank you. <laughs> Someone who will never have children. So, um, yeah, so, so, so Solomon says, he, he, there's a source, a, a focal point, there's a bedrock for our quest for wisdom, but it's not your, your biological endowment. It's not, it's, not, it's, it's, not, it's not your heredity. It's not what you were born with. Uh, Solomon says, uh, uh, wisdom begins with a correct attitude ...towards God. That's the foundation. That's what Solomon said. You, know, you can pursue academics, philosophy, speculative sciences, all the rest, but you're not going to get wise. You'll get knowledgeable. Solomon says, if you want to get wise in the sense of living life well, it has to start with, uh, with us giving God the respect He is due. You have to have the right attitude towards God, and Solomon calls that the fear of the Lord. Now, uh, now don't get nervous here. In this sense, The fear of the Lord does not mean shake in your boots and be terrified. No, no, no. That's not what it means at all. It means means to respect him. For instance, to fear God, to begin with, is to respect his existence. Did you know that? To respect his existence. He is there. He's a non-negotiable. He's not optional. Many are attempting to remove him from the equation of life. And what have we end up with? Welcome to the world we live in today. One of the ways to manifest one's fear of God, one's respect, is to acknowledge the fact that he exists. An unwise person, in practice, leaves God outside of the equation of life. So this is one way to show respect to God, acknowledge his presence. And another way, to fear God is to respect His let's call it His holy otherness. What does that mean? It means there is one God, and it ain't you or me. He is wholly other. He's transcendent. There ought to be no confusion between the Creator and the creature. I am not the master of my own destiny, nor you yours. There is a master who controls all that needs to be controlled, but I am not he. So this is the way to fear God. This is the way to begin our quest for wisdom. Show respect for God in two ways. Number one, he exists. He is. And number two, he's categorically different. He's incomparable. He's not like any of the rest of Us. He deserves his proper place. in. This is the beginning of wisdom. This is what it means to fear God. To give God his proper place in our lives. Now, you know what this means? It means... Tell me if you think I'm right or wrong about this. It means that only godly people can have wisdom. Think about it. If the beginning of wisdom is to show proper respect to God, then it seems to me... The conclusion we could make, a fair conclusion, is that only godly people, people moving in a Godward direction, only those could ever be wise. This means that a godly person, even one without much formal education, has more access to wisdom than a godless person, though he or she may have a PhD. Do you buy that? Of course, it's true. Remember... Uh, Those people who are not living life skillfully today do not suffer necessarily from an intellectual deficit. They suffer from a moral deficit. You know what's wrong with them? It's not that they are stupid. It's that they are wicked. You see? And wisdom begins with us saying, I will follow the Holy One. I will search out his standards of what's right and what's wrong. And when I find them, I will submit to them. I will give him his rightful place. He owns me. I'm not self-generated, and I'm not self-sustained. He made me. He keeps me. He sustains me. I will bend. I will bow. I will break my spirit of pride in order to submit to his standards of morality. That's the beginning of wisdom. Now look, the writer of this book, Solomon, in essence ran an experiment in his life. He didn't do it on a conscious level, but he did it by default. It was an experiment to live life without God. And it seemed to be working for a while. He had a major share of what the world has to offer. I mean, wine, women, and song. This guy had wealth and money and all kinds of stuff. What was his conclusion at the end of his experiment? He said to live well, to live life with skill, to live rightly, a person needs to be right with God. That's the beginning of wisdom. A person cannot live well if that person begins at the wrong starting point. And the starting point is to fear the Almighty. Folks, our attempts at living well apart from a right relationship with God have failed miserably. We have lived foolishly, not wisely. And the evidence is in the newspapers every day. In fact, Solomon writes in closing, verse 7, fools are those, fools are those who despise wisdom and instruction. The word is used throughout Proverbs, foolish or fools. Again, not with reference to people who suffer from an intellectual deficit. No, theirs is a moral deficit. Again, they're not stupid necessarily. They are wicked. Fools lack wisdom. Why? Why? Two reasons. One, they're too proud to look to God for it. Two, they're too rebellious to submit to it. Don't be like that. Their motto is if it seems right to me, I will do it. Uh, Get all the gusto. I am the master of my own destiny. That's their motto. You see what I mean? And uh, Solomon refers to them as fools. The people referred to in Proverbs as being foolish are those who refuse to consider God and his absolute moral standards for life and therefore though they may be smart they are unskillful in living life and they're all amongst us and in the news maybe even in high positions in government nobody is questioning their academic uh, accomplishments their capacity to articulate their thoughts uh, but i think it is legitimate to question their wisdom their morality a definition of the institution of marriage which god himself ordained and defined that's a very foolish thing to do a degradation of human life even in wombed human life even elderly human life a degradation of lives at the beginning and at the end uh, for convenience, economic and otherwise, is a very unwise thing to do. A $20 trillion debt is a very unwise yoke to put on the voting population of the United States of America and its children and grandchildren who will inherit it. Now, our folks, financial leaders, political and otherwise, uh, we would be wrong to question their IQ. But it's perfectly acceptable to notice the lack of skill with which they're living life, their own, and the the, uh, temptation with which they would like to tempt us to embrace Uh, their own values and convictions, is what Proverbs refers to as foolishness. Fools are those who despise wisdom and instruction. But what if wisdom is not available to them? What if they didn't know? Ah, I close with this. Folks, the book of Proverbs contrasts two types of people. You'll see it all the way through. The wise and the foolish. Which one are you? You cannot claim wisdom was unavailable to me. No, wisdom is calling. In weeks to come, we'll see wisdom shouting out. Stop here. Listen to me. Oh, wisdom is available and acceptable. She is calling out with every ounce of passion and sense of urgency she could muster. But we're left again with this question. The wisdom is calling. Are we listening? I hope so. I hope so. I want to finish this race of life well, don't you? I don't want to turn this way or that way. I don't want to embrace the wisdom so-called of the day. I want to finish well and I want the voice of God to say to me, because you heeded the voice of wisdom, I now say to you, welcome home and well done, good and faithful servant. Don't you? Well, then let's pray once again to the God who gave us this book, that he would use it to pour out his wisdom into our lives so that we could live life In the days ahead, more skillfully. Lord Jesus, we bow before you, thanking you for preserving this record of Proverbs uh, mediated through Solomon, but authored, of course, by your very Holy Spirit. Thank you for preserving it intact, without error, and with authority and power for us down to this very day. Lord, we... We want to humble ourselves before you, bow before the throne of grace as you pour out wisdom upon us. We will exercise the discipline of reflection and study and meditation on these, your words. And O God, in return, would you fill us with skillfulness in living life? And this we pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen.